Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, executive coach and speaker, and I have a passion for helping people make positive, transformational changes to their businesses and themselves and break through roadblocks to live their best lives. Let's get to it. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, and I'm so glad you're here as always. I hope you all had a great Easter weekend. We had a fantastic weekend. The sun was shining in Seattle, which you know you've heard me talk about can be a rare occasion. And I have to tell you, I have never been so thankful for bright, shining sun, especially amidst all the the other stuff that's going on. So we had a different Easter. It was not an Easter spent with extended family. It was kind of, we brought it in and kept it tight with our family, but it was great. I mean, we, we played cards. We watched a Easter service online. I read a little bit. I even took a nap, which is a rare occurrence for me. So I hope that you all found some simplicity in your day and in your weekend. We have an excellent show for you all today. And you all know I normally do a heart-to-heart segment by myself at the beginning. I'm not going to do that today because the last few weeks, we actually have been running out of time at the end of the show. And my guest today has a lot to say. And I want to make sure we do not run out of time. He is the perfect guest for, I think, any time, but especially the times that we're in right now, because he focuses on resilience and making shifts and has an amazing story of just facing adversity and rising um, and continues to work with really great clients of all different backgrounds today. So I can't wait to just introduce you to my guest today, Anthony Trux. Anthony, welcome. I'm so hey. excited to have you here. And thanks I'm for, excited too. Yeah, it's so fun. And so there's a couple things that I want my, my audience to know about you. Um, number one, Anthony is a really talented international speaker and entrepreneur. Um, he does really intensive coaching with people to help them make shifts in their lives. But he is also an ex-NFL player. He is an American Ninja Warrior, and the list goes on and on. And also, he is our first male guest of the season. So congratulations, Anthony. You made the cut. (laughs) Thank you. I feel special. I want to thank everybody uh, for, you know, loving me. I want to thank my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought before we get started in the interview, I would just love if you would just tell everybody a little bit about you and, and your life and um, what are some of the things that you enjoy doing? Yeah, uh, I love, I'm, I'm a family guy. I genuinely enjoy time with the family. So this whole, you know, COVID thing has is, is oddly been okay for me. <laughs> um, my, my focus in the world now is I teach people how to upgrade how they operate so they can elevate their life and business and it's from an identity standpoint, which has to do with my personal story. And um, outside of that, man, I just, I enjoy living life. That's pretty much what I do. I, I like to enjoy the, the things that most people take take for granted. And then I like to create cool moments as best I can in, in life. That's really it. Nothing crazy. Um, I, I tell people I'm a regular guy. I'm a seriously regular guy, but I got a really irregular desire to help people in this world. Yeah. So I want to, um, so quickly before we go any further, I actually want to ask you about the COVID stuff because yeah. I, you're all over social media and I have followed you for a while. 
and you post all these little snippets of things that you and your family are doing throughout the day. And I just, so first of all, I want to know how it's going and are you having to do the homeschooling stuff? But what I really want to know is, okay, how do you get your children? It looks like they're mostly teenage uh, like, or close. and 10 year olds. Yeah. Okay. So you have them, obviously, like the other day I saw a video where you were like, okay, the timer's starting, you're going outside to -hmm. play or do something active for 30 minutes. They're fully listening and and engaged. So how's it going? And do you have any tips for us parents (laughs) that are wrestling with our kids over video game controls? I, you know, I wish it was as clear and clean as like go outside and they're like, yes, daddy. And they go outside. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Uh, they, we're conditioned. We've been doing this for years in a sense of like my kids just listen. If they don't listen, my wife and I have, we have a really good structure of parenting where we don't always have every conversation in front of the kids. Mm. And there's sometimes when like, I, I don't want, I don't agree with what she's doing, but I will bite my tongue and I'll let it to the place and then vice versa. So we'll deal with it like, hey, in the future, like, I don't think that that's cool. Like, okay, we'll change it next time. But, you know, yeah. it happened. Not the end of the world. But at the end of the day, if the kids are told to do something, they don't do it, we make them adhere to it. I think it's one of the hardest things for anybody's parents. It's like, we always want to be liked. Yeah. And we don't realize that being liked is different than being loved. And so what we do is we let the kids somewhat walk on us. Uh, I'm not a fan of that. I don't do it. I watch it in public. And I don't, I don't think it's helpful for the kids because then mm-hmm. if they don't, they don't respect my authority. Why are they going to go into the world and respect anybody else's, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we just have a structure. They follow it, but then we also, at the same time, like they get a lot. I mean, they're given a lot. They got, yeah. they got all these video games. You know, they can play with their toys. They can do stuff. And at the end of the day, it's like giving them perspective on like you better be grateful. Because when I was a kid, I had to sew like chairs together to make a, a weird makeshift basketball group because <laughs> right. we couldn't afford it. So you right. guys, you got it yeah. okay, man. That's it. Get a little perspective. I love it. Okay, so. I love, so you and your wife have a united front. It sounds like you work hard to have a united front in front of the kids and you give your kids perspective. And I think that those are, um, I mean, our conversation today isn't really about parenting, but I actually think it's going to tie exactly into what we're going to talk about because we're going to talk a lot about perspective. Um, And I also feel like where I've caught myself in this whole thing is I think, um, maybe, and maybe I'm speaking for some other parents too. I think I battled a little bit feeling bad for the kids, you know, like, oh, it's so sad. They're not seeing their friends and all these things have been canceled. And so I had to really do a little reset with myself about a week ago where I was like, okay, this is, I mean, now we know there's not going to be school for the rest of the year. So this is not like, we're not going to have chaos for six months. You know, like that's just not going to work for anyone. So anyway, I love that. I love that you're saying, you know, perspective, give them them some perspective, Mm -hmm. have a united front with your spouse. Um, And yeah, I don't know. I get it. I mean, it's little stuff like that. I mean, the thing is, at the end of the day, we all, if we have no control over things and we lose control over things, and the the frustration is still the same. I want them to do it and they don't do it. And it's usually that moment where like they do this thing and I don't want them to do this thing and I have to contemplate, do I say something? Right. And I think like nine times out of 10, people just don't have the patience or the desire, the energy to say something. And then it just yeah. persists and it gets worse. They so in those moments, yeah, those yeah. are the moments that matter. Those are the ones where I get up and like, oh, guys, I don't want to have to be like a dad right now. I want to yeah. just sit and watch this show. But the fact that I've asked you guys three times to do this and you haven't done it, 
there now has to be a consequence. Yeah. So go to your room for 20 minutes. Like mm-hmm. if you can't listen, if you can't listen to my words when I say them the first time, then I have to extrapolate it to here. And this isn't my fault. This yeah. is your fault. Yeah. No way. <laughs> like, and we just hold it to it. Yeah. I love it. So it's interesting because just based on like my limited knowledge of listening to your, um, your different podcasts and things that you have, this is like how you're talking about parenting actually sounds to me also like about how you run your life. Like you just, you work hard and you kind of go in and do the work even when you don't feel like doing the work. So that is, yeah, I, I love that. It's all, um, I'm a big person on, authentic living and our, our show last week was on authenticity. And I think Mm. when I'm coaching people and even my goal for myself, I'm like, I want my insides to match my outsides. Like I want to be aligned. Right. So, um, so I love that. So Anthony, I want to really dig into your, um, a little bit about your story and then really into the work and how you help people today. Before we do that, we're going to take a really quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to, we're going to get going. So everyone, we will be right back. You are listening to the Imperfection Wins show on KKNW 1150. This show is sponsored by Urban Restoration, the Eastside's premier builder for remodeling, new construction, and so much more. With over 20 years of experience, the team at Urban Restoration has built a foundation of integrity, trust, superior craftsmanship, and personal accountability to clients. Whether you're building a new home, doing a total home remodel, or even a small project, the experienced team at Urban Restoration will walk you through the process and leave you with the results you desire. Client satisfaction and relationships rule at Urban Restoration. If you are located on the greater east side and looking for a contractor you can trust, visit the Urban Restoration website at ur-build.com. That's the letter U, the letter R-build.com for contact information and to check out pictures of their amazing craftsmanship. Again, that's the letter U, the letter R, dash build.com for urban restoration. Organic, free range, and fresh daily. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, and I'm here today with Anthony Trux, international public speaker, coach, and entrepreneur. And Anthony, we're just having a conversation about all things, you know, parenting and perspective and um, having your insides match your outsides and authentic living. And we, Anthony has a really meaty um, story. And actually his story was the thing that um, I really grabbed onto on social media. So I, um, Anthony, I can't remember if I told you this or not, but I've been following you probably for about a year on social media. And a year is really how long I've actually been on social media because I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of new on social media. So um, anyway, but you have a really compelling story and the way that you've been able to rise above your circumstances um, and beat a lot of the odds um, is really amazing. And so I would love, would you just give people a little, uh, the short version of your story, your background and, and how, and your start as a child? Yeah, most definitely. And I think it's good to have this understanding for people as we talk about shift and, and really what the idea for me today, I'd love to give you ideas on how to shift with these shifting times, but it all comes from my story, right? So mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, I, I was, you know, kind of the guy to lead this, this kind of concept because it was my life. So at three years old, I was given away into foster care. And so I had this first initial identity of like, who am I? Where do I fit? Uh, I don't matter. Which if anybody's had the feeling of like, where do I fit in this world? That's how I started my life. 
um, bounced around from house to house, ended up you know, doing a lot of different pain and abuse uh, for three years. So I landed into my family, which is my family now. Uh, unique thing is at six years old now, I'm the only black person in all white families. So now this identity of like, who's this, this foster kid or doesn't fit with mm-hmm. the family and really, really poor growing up. And so for eight years, I was with this family and it just was a lot of uh, turmoil and up and down. Just dealing with my real mom in the background and my current family and just my, my first guy in the house with a drunk dad and mom remarried, life got better. But as it got better, it could always be taken away because I wasn't adopted. Mm. And finally at 14, I got to stand up in front of a judge and accept my mom's rights. Like by looking at her in her face, my real mom, like, I don't want you to be my mom anymore. And mm. Really difficult thing to do. Yeah. But then I got freedom. I was able to, for the first time, know that this house that I woke up in, I get to go to bed in tonight, like for sure. Mm. I'm not going anywhere. Um, and that was a good thing for me. Well, I think I might have lost you. Did I lose you? Are you still nope. in the background? I gotcha. I can hear you. And I think we completely lost him then, I think. Oh, maybe. no, we lost him. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead. He might reconnect here. So why don't you just pick right back up there, Sam? Okay. Maybe a little bit of extra stuff about him or? Yeah. So I think I'll just say until we get him back that, you know, one of the things that Anthony is very open about is that his first memory um, as a child is being three years old and being given by his mom, by his birth mom, to foster care. And then spending a lot of time in foster care. Oh, Anthony, are you back? Yes. You know what it is? It's the internet gods. The internet gods. I know. Yeah. Well, there's so many people on right now. So, Anthony, I was just telling people that um, one of the things I know you you went quickly over in the story that you're telling right now, but in um, one of the things that you're very open about is that you're literally your first childhood memory is of your mom yeah. giving you oh, to foster care. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an interesting feeling to know that was the first thought. And like, as I literally go back, I mean, three years old, I can remember the layout of my house at that age. So the yeah. first entrance into the world is not one that's happy and joyful. So for a lot of reasons at 14, when I got there, like I was, I got adopted at 14, finally felt free. Like I knew I was going to go to bed in this house yeah. that I woke up in for the first time ever, but I was really like a shutdown kid. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't really, I mean, I had no definitive reasons to be like, oh, you're going to be great. Like yeah. it wasn't, wasn't in the, the works. And I didn't even know until later on, but like if you look at any prison in America, 75% of the inmates are former foster kids like I was, you know, there's, oh. you know, 51% of our homeless population, former foster kids, and like 1% yeah. of us ever graduated from college. So we're not, we're not really set up to do well. No. 14, um, yeah, I get this opportunity now. So the opportunity I had is like, okay, I'm 14 years old. I could try something. I tried football for the first time because I wanted to for so You're many years. 14. 14, way behind all my peers. And yeah. I was horrible. I sucked really bad. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't supposed to be fall player at the time. But then I I had this desire and a lot of people have this feeling of like, I want to do this thing that I'm not good at. So as I'm trying to do this thing, what ends up happening is like, usually we're faced with the reality of I'm not good at that. This doesn't feel very good to Mm -hmm. not be good. I'm not going to do this anymore. Yes. It's not not conscious. It's like, Oh, um, Susan, how come you don't do it anymore? Oh, you know what? Mm -hmm. Uh, Just time is too thinner. Oh, I got to focus on the kids or, Oh, my husband, you know, like you make these excuses. And so for me, I just, I was like, yep, yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore. And then I, I got this weird thought of like, well, maybe I'll do it again next year. So the next year I was going into high school, freshman year. And I had this weird dynamic of, I didn't fit anywhere. I was like a big mm-hmm. outcast because uh, I'm, I'm the black guy that talks like this at, at that age, which back then like, I got called Oreo because I didn't talk like a black guy essentially, which is pretty funny. Um, this is what it is. And then I didn't have any place I fit. So I was like, I'm going to try to fit in the sports you know, arena, mm-hmm. go play some sports, try football again. Yet again, met with the fact that I'm not very good and I shut down. Like I, 
I actually gave up at that time. You know, my, my adoptive mom got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So like the family was focused on her and her health. Uh, my older brother went off to the military. I was one of six in that family. And he was like my rock and he disappears. And I'm floating, man. Yeah. And I had this moment where a girl at 15 years old gave me a really good gift that changed my life. I don't know who she is and she doesn't know she did it. But I was sitting in this class, Mr. Howell's English class, all checked out. And my excuse in my head was, Aunt, you're a foster kid. Not really supposed uh, to be that great in this life, you know? Yeah. I was like, all right. And she says, like, I'm at this, this desk, Mr. Howell's English class, sleeping with a park over my head. Mm-hmm. And the girls are talking next to me. It's this weird love seat. And this one girl says the other one, well, well, the reason I'm so bad is because I'm in foster care. And it was really, uh, you hear it, it's like, oh, that might be bad. But when you get to hear your own excuse out loud and you hear yeah. how stupid it sounds, oh, it, it, sh- it shatters the whole perspective. It, it shakes you. Mm. And I had this weird, like, gosh, I don't want that to be my life. I don't want to be something genuinely at 15. I'm thinking, I don't want to be the guy that's like a bad dude because some reason this thing happened to me as a kid that I had no control over. And it ate away at me. Then I went home and I made a choice. Like, I'm going to be great in some way, shape or form. Like, I'm just going to be great. And so I started trying to do things that weren't me. And this is where identity came to play. I started doing this stuff like football. Like, I'm going to try to be good at this sport, do the things a good player does, even though I am mm. far from a good player. Yeah. And and I went to work. Man, I did every, I lifted weights, running routes, catching footballs every day. And then fast forward a year, I show up at the, the next season and I'm an animal, like oh way, gosh. way different. I'm faster, I'm stronger. I get moved to varsity. Like, and, and what it was, it was a couple years later, I got a college scholarship, NFL, like there's more to that story. But essentially, I learned in those moments that that the simple statement, those of you who are listening right now, you got to write this down because this right here is a powerful one. This is what I learned. What you create, creates you. Mm. And it's it's a very simplistic thing, but the power within it is whatever I, whatever I have, like it's a human, we have investment bias. The more I give to something, the more I want to return, period. Yeah. I want money in, money out, time in, power mm. out, inside out, knowledge out. And so for me, I didn't know I was doing it, but I, like every day when I got up and didn't feel like I was a football player, but I, w- I would hit the weights, I was building more of a football player externally, physically, mm-hmm. you know, better body, better capabilities. But every single rep, every single day that was hard, every football catch was little by little compounding this chip on my shoulder that made me essentially realize like, I am now the football player. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not trying to be that guy. I'm that guy now. Yeah. And when you are that, when you're that person, you show up differently. Like when you, like, for example, if people right now, like who are listening, like their moms or dads, for example, when I, when I've got a kid who was like, you know, five, six, seven, eight years old, I'm a parent now. The yeah. first day the kid shows up, I'm like, I don't know what to do with this thing. Honey, I don't want to break it. Like, what do, what do I do? And then after a while of just diapers change and, you know, nights spent rocking this kid back and forth, you go from in this person who is a, a, a new parent or like, you know, I have a couple of kids like, no, 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 I'm a dad. I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a mom. You know, my how much poop I've changed, how many yeah. weird streaks I've thrown up in my shirt. I'm a dad now. Like, it's a whole different perspective. And when somebody challenges that, you show up in battle. Like, no, right. no, no. You ain't going to do that. So for me, it happened in football because, like, no, I did the work. You don't get to beat me today. I'm sorry. That's, mm-hmm. that's not who you are. I know who I am. And I apply that concept to all aspects of my life now. Yeah. And it didn't happen at first. There's a lot more to the journey uh, we'll call post-football when I right. turn into a a real regular human being, <laughs> but that was the majority of what the anchor points were 
for the work that I do Leading in this world. up to that. So you, so, and I know that eventually, so you ended up in injury, you ended up leaving the NFL because of an injury. And then, and yes. I'm sure that there's a whole story around your identity after when you had oh, the yeah. football, because that's, I, that's, right, I can imagine that's pretty complicated. That's the root of my work. Yeah. That's really where, that's where life unpacked for me. And that was, <laughs> I broke yeah. my life. I guess I'll call it. I mean, so I get to this point where, you know, in college, I have my first son at 20, meet my real dad at 21, yeah. um, which is a weird dynamic, you know, and then, then I get to NFL. NFL stands for not for long. Yes, not only a, a <laughs> yeah. situation where you're temporary. around for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And then my third year, I got hurt with the Pittsburgh Steelers, played against the Philadelphia Eagles, ended my season and eventually my career and had a massive identity crisis. Like this mm. thing that made me me is yeah. now gone. And this is, people see it like, oh, well, you know, football, yeah, anything. But like, what if your kid goes to college? Or what if you get a divorce? What if you lose a child? What if you right. um, lose a parent? Like your identity shifts, like these yes. things immediately, right? So most people, they, they reactively handle that in, in poor ways. As society right now, we are reactively handling a shift on yeah. a global scale. And people are left like a leaf in the wind. And so, so I felt, came out of, you know, NFL and I go home and I'm like, I got to find this thing to make me feel like me again. Right. And I dug all my, my heels into this gym, you know, novel idea for an athlete. Let me go into fitness, yeah. you know? So <laughs> came home, I had my degree in kinesiology, opened the gym and went to work. And the problem was at this point now, I've got my wife, we're high school sweethearts. We like cutest couple in the yearbook. And I was like homecoming king, genuinely super weird. Uh, I come home. And now what happens is like, I got to find myself. So I put my time and energy in this gym, 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. I'm at the gym. Mm -hmm. We have two more kids within, I think, like four months of opening the gym. Yes, yeah, so, so suddenly you're, you're an entrepreneur. Oh, straight into it. And yeah. we weren't prepared for it. Uh, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to make so much money in the first, you know, X amount yeah. of month broke. I was broke. Yeah. <laughs> nine months in, nine months in, all the NFL money was gone. It was into yeah. the gym. You know, I got someone that got served by the landlord with an eviction notice. If I couldn't yeah. pay it, I'm going bankrupt. Um, my wife, she doesn't have a husband at this moment. Like she is gone. So it's completely yeah. neglecting everything. My health sucks. I've got this body, you know, that's not really what it used to be. And the business yeah. is not doing well. Cause I don't know what I'm doing. And I get to this point where we took a trip with the wife and then I'm in Hawaii and we're at PF Chang's and I look over her shoulder and she's texting somebody else. Mm. And I come to find out my wife, wife was having an affair. Mm. And for me, having grown up in a situation I did, I've always had this weird tight connection to the woman in my life. And so it shattered me. Yeah. So now I've lost football. I've lost my wife. I've lost my family. Yeah. I've lost my health and the gym is horrible. So all the things that rooted me and anchored me to being me were gone. Yeah. And I, I came home and, and most of the time when hard stuff happens to us, we go into that fog like that, like, ah, I don't want to deal with it. So I avoid yeah. and I distance and I distract. And so I did that for a while. And it wasn't like probably three months until my best friend was like, watch me this fight that I'd been in. And I sat for three hours, didn't speak to anybody. On the mm. way out, he stops. He says, "Aunt, dude, I need you to realize, like, you're floating, but this is your reality. It hasn't settled in yet." Yeah. And those simple words slammed on my chest like like a train. Like it was the hardest emotional pain I'd ever felt. Like in one wave of it all sitting there, and I drove off when I was like, I, I wanted the pain to stop because I couldn't physically stop it. And I just wrote, sent a text to my friends and family. I was like, "Hey, please tell my kids who their father was." Oh. Drove off. And so I was looking uh, for a store for that rat poison, but thankfully they were all, it was like 10 o'clock, everything was closed. And so I just drove off for like an hour and sat in this parking lot and the wave kind of subsided and the police showed up because they tracked the GPS on my phone. And so I ended up like talking them, you know, into like, oh, I'm fine, I'm, I'm good, uh, I don't know what's going on. And then, you know, shot home and then just, 
lot, like 30 people in front of my house was looking for me in my town was just mm-hmm. like the most shame. And I remember just tucking away. And a few days later, one of my good buddies, Richie, he took me in the back of the gym because he worked with me. I was like, hey, man, when I found out what happens, like I physically threw up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he says, well, man, I said, we, the community, we've watched what you've done. Like we've been here since you were a kid. We, we all know like, at the end of the day, it's like you're a lot of people's heroes. And at the end of the day, like for what you do, like people look up to you. And it was just really weird to see that I didn't expect to get from one of my good buddies, like you're a hero, super odd. And I didn't, I didn't do anything with the seat. I just, I, in my head, I was like, well, if I did that by accident, what if I did it on purpose? You know, what if there was a point where I chose to push this out? And so it just sat, it didn't do anything. For like three years, I, I eventually, I went through life and tried to fix it without trying to fix it. I was like, I'm just going to distract. Yeah. And so got a divorce, you know, tried to figure the gym thing out, never really figured it out. There's one point in time where, now granted, this is after the NFL. I had a 9,000 square foot facility that I had in my gym and it was a beautiful gym. I figured out the whole issue with the landlord and we got it all moving and business got better because I got a great coach. And at one point I had this 9,000 square foot gym, but then at home I was living in this 500 square foot studio apartment behind one of my, my front desk lady, like, you know, staff's house. Like my, my, my employee lives in the house right in front of us. I'm in a 500 square foot studio. My three kids, when I have them, are sleeping on an air mattress next to mine because I can, I can, you know, take my foot and reach over and kick the couch. Like, yeah, it just really, it was a sad place to be. And so I just was always going through it. And then one day, I you know, doing the Playboy stuff and you know, steering away from my faith, which I, I times that I did, and I'm not a fan of it. But I woke up, and I had this woman from a different country, didn't speak English, in my bed, New Year's Day, and it just was this really shameful feeling of. Mm. man if this was somewhere my kids saw this I would feel so ashamed yeah my kids had done this like God, who who is this guy that's in this bed because this is not the dude that that you know is supposed to be great and what ended up happening was I got these moments where like I got a, a simple awakening and this was really the I think the pivotal part of where everything changed so I was in a situation where 2014 my adoptive mom she uh, she passes away and I was in the room holding her right hand as she took her final breath, like watched her inhale and exhale. And it was tough because, you know, she was now out of pain. So there was a little bit of happiness that she, she wasn't hurting anymore. But it was like, that was a life. 47 years old. Yeah. Done. Like, and I was like, man, I've been here for 30 years already. There's a possibility I could be here for less. Like, I don't have time to sit. Like, I didn't enjoy my life. I didn't like what's going on. And I, all the potential that I had for the world was, was kind of a miss. And so I, I got to a point where I was like, I got to figure out my potential. I got to figure out what this is all about. And, and I happened at the same moment in time across a big contract with this power company um, after having to borrow $5,000 from my ex-wife, which is a really sad yeah. point to be in as well. It just was, it was a really tri- trippy place. And so I get to this point, I'm like, I got to change something. Mm-hmm. Something's got to happen. So I cut all women off. I'm like, I'm done with women and doing this. This isn't going to work. I'm going to figure out what I, what I broke. Because that was the thing. Of all these issues, from the business to the relationships to my health to my parenting, yeah. The common denominator was Anthony. This yeah. was the guy in the background who didn't understand what was going on. So I finally stopped. I had this couch and a brown wall. And I turned all TVs off. I turned my phone off and I would stare at the wall. And I would say, Ant, what is wrong with you, man? Like, what did, <laughs> yeah. what is, I, I sounds odd, but I literally was like, what did you, I would just stare and just like, I would cry and I would accept it. I would, I, and I just, like, I've got to go to damage control mode. I would go and fix things. I, I started realizing like in my relationship, yeah, my wife had an affair and it sucked and I blamed her for a lot of years, but she didn't get to a place of feeling like she even needed to make a decision in the first mm-hmm. place by herself. Like it took right. two of us. 
the business. It was because I was too much of an ego filled guy that I wouldn't seek out the right kind of health. Right. You know, my health, that's on me. I needed to be moral help with the kids. I was spending more time training other people's kids than my own children. Mm. Like it was this, so I needed to wake up and I did. And I went back and I was like, all right, I'm going to figure out how this all happened. And so I started unpacking. I, I had conversations with the guy my wife had an affair with. Like I navigated it all very painstakingly for a lot of years. And eventually at the point where, um, you know, I, I, I went into like a mode where I started realizing like, this is the guy that Anthony needs to be. And I started leading, like leading into it, cutting friends off, um, minimizing time spent in place that didn't serve me. And eventually got to a point where uh, God provided a different pathway. And my wife, who for a lot of years, I shamed her. You're so horrible, right? I, I let her know like, hey, I messed up too. Sucks what I messed up too. And it gave her this path to, to have God enter her life in a certain way, which is great. So, he, so she, she found her own faith. Um, and then for me, like I, I found my own faults. I found mm-hmm. I'd already been a man of faith, but I, I'd found my way back to it. Mm-hmm. And she invited me one day on a trip. She was like, Hey, you want to go with me to Costa Rica? I want to get away from this small, dark town. That's not very good for us. And I know you can't be away from the kids for like three weeks and we get separate rooms, separate people. We're not together, but just go away. I was like, cool, let's do it. And so I got to this point where I, I uh, took a trip with her and, and then it ended up being somewhere like I got to meet this person that I'd known for like 16 years for the first time. Yeah. I didn't know that that version of her. Totally renewed it, person. Yeah. Yeah. And way different. And we we turned into this this whole new weird thing. And so fast forward four years now, after three years divorced, custody battles, craziness. We're now remarried, an amazingly happy marriage. Like Aww. crazy uh, like 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 joy. We're like, I don't know what to do with that level of joy. It's just yes. so great. And and I get to now take all these things I've learned. Uh, about how to navigate these shifts reactively like I did. And then also proactively, how do I choose to shift the way I need to internally to elevate my life the way I want to? And a lot of it comes from what I talked about, upgrading who I was as a human from an identity standpoint. And uh, and so that's why I do what I do. It's part yeah. of who I am every day. And I get a great deal of joy watching people's businesses change because when you apply yeah. to business, it makes a facet change, but also like their lives and yeah. people talk about like a life coaching. I'm not a life coach. I'm a you coach. But guess yeah. what's coming in your life? Because yeah, it's all one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I So I'm going to stop you there because in just a second, we're going to take a quick break. And then I really want to talk about how people can work with you and, and some of the um, concepts that you talk about. Yeah. But I have to tell you, you can see my face because we're on a Zoom call. So you probably mm-hmm. saw me getting emotional at a couple points. So I just have to tell you two things about that story that make me emotional. One sorry, I am a little bit emotional. One is that when you were talking about getting close to taking your own life, people showed up for you and you were loved. Like that, that story about like people, you know, someone getting physically sick, people being outside of your house looking for you. Like it just, one of my biggest hearts call is just to make people know that they are loved. And so Mm -hmm. I think that that made me very emotional. And the other part is about you and your wife coming back together and healing. I love a story of revival. I just, I think it's amazing. And so thank you so much for sharing that because I think um, that is not a common story. Like I think a lot of people sometimes make those choices to end a marriage or take a different way in life. And then they decide that that's it and that's their way. And so anyway, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing. I loved it. And I'm going to pull myself together because we still have some really important things to talk about, but we're going to take a quick break. So everyone, you are listening to the Imperfection Wins show on KKNW 1150. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's me, Sam. 
Many of you know that one of my greatest joys in life is handing out small, perfectly imperfect wooden hearts. That's right, I said perfectly imperfect. These are the words that came to mind when I held one of these handmade hearts in my hand for the first time. These beautifully crafted, imperfect hearts are made by my friend Gary. Fate brought us together, and ordering hearts from him and giving them to anyone who needs one has been a joyful part of my journey. The hearts serve as a physical reminder that things don't need to be perfect to be meaningful. Check out my website, samwilling.com forward slash imperfect hearts for the whole heart story, to place an order, or make a donation. 100% of the proceeds go towards the mission. Don't forget, that's samwilling.com. On the path to good health and well-being, Alternative Talk 1150 is the station for you. Welcome back, everyone, to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, and I'm here today with Anthony Trutz. And if you are just tuning in, we are having just a really awesome and vulnerable, which you know is my favorite kind of conversation, um, around just perspective and choice. And Anthony, we are going to shift shift into mm-hmm. talking about your company identity shift and the work that you do there. Because, um, and I'm so glad you shared your story because it really led you into doing this work. And a couple of things really jumped out at me about you and the way that you have navigated your life. And one of them is the story that you just told was you were very vulnerable. You basically shared a lot of um, things, like a lot of decisions that were not great decisions, right? And that you had to really do some soul searching on. And what I think was really amazing, and we don't see a lot of today, um, is you took an insane amount of responsibility. Like you basically said, I am not going to be a victim of my circumstances. It would have been easy when I look at the whole story you shared, including your childhood, it would have been easy for you to live a victim life your whole life and be like, well, of course this is happening to me because I'm a foster kid. Well, of course this is happening to me. Um, I think what's amazing is that when you talk about how you healed from the story, the healing sounds like it started when you said, I took responsibility. I made some major changes. I decided to figure out, I I knew I was the common denominator. And I think that's something that is really hard for people to do is to step back and say, like, I'm not going to blame this on anyone. Like, yes, there are certainly circumstances that can make things difficult, challenging, um, seem hopeless or seem unfair. But you basically said, I'm a common denominator. I have a part in this and I'm going to, the healing's going to start there. And so I just, I wonder if you can talk about that. And then I'd love to talk about I know that you talk and coach a lot on choice and how it's all about, you know, the lens that we look through. And so I just wondered if you could just talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's honestly the common direction that most conversations go. Cause a lot of people, they wonder like, how did you not go in the space of being angry at the world? Uh-huh. And I tell them like, uh, I was <laughs> very, very angry at the world for a lot yeah. of years. I mean, it took a lot for my mom to finally break through my shell. And even the situation with me and the, and the things happening, you know, in the world of business, it's difficult to actually have to knock yourself down a few levels. Mm-hmm. We don't typically do that. You know, whenever we see something going right in somebody else's life, we have one of two directions. Option one is I'm going to go ahead and say, 
that you know that this person's horrible. I want to bring them down to my level, so I demonize it. They're they're not smart. You know, all people with money are bad, and you know this this is why the only reason they're successful is because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Or I have to go. Ooh, you know, if they're doing it right, what am I doing wrong? And not many people like air to that direction. Mm-hmm. So for me, what I also looked at was okay. If that was the situation, you know, what can I learn from this? I also realized that a lot, some situations, like at the end of the day, they may not be my fault, but they are my responsibility to fix. Mm. And when I sat back and started realizing what was looking like in my life was going on, I, I had to own the fact that, look, if I don't do anything, even if it's somebody else's fault, if I don't do anything, I'm not going to have a good life. It's like if I'm in a ship or a boat and somebody comes on and stabs holes in the boat and they ride off, like, okay, yeah, well, it's not my fault, but I'm not going to sit here and complain. I'm going to try to find a way to paddle the shore still. Yeah. I, or, or I'm going to drown. Right. So I got to find a way to now fix whatever's going on, even if it's not my fault. The thing is, in, in this situation, I poked my own holes in my own boat. And I didn't want to see it. You know, like I did it yeah. by accident. I was like, well, was it me? So <laughs> when I realized it was me, now the extreme ownership goes to really a matter of can I can I own these things publicly without losing face? Can I can I swallow my right. pride and ego? And in a man's world, it's one of the hardest things because we have this weird bravado and pride. I'm also a former NFL athlete, you know, like. Right if anything, it's harder for me than the everyday person that didn't do that. And, and when I go in and I have to start pulling away the layers of who I was, the crazy part is essentially you have to give all of who you are in that moment to get to the next level. I had to give up everything I was. I had to pay the ultimate price of pride and ego and, and the sense of who I was, you know, this, this, you know, this, this, the guy I built up in my head, I had to give all of him up in order to create the guy you see now. And if you're not willing to pay that price to give up your pride, your ego, to look fine, to look stupid, to have people say, oh, you're different or you're changed, or that's not who you are. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can't get through those moments, you're never going to have the life you want. And at this point, I still have people that are like, how can you take back that woman who did that? And like, you know what, you can, I, knowing that that's how you responded to what you just heard, it tells me that you harbor a lot of anger and resentment. Yeah. And I would much rather have my joy in my heart than your anger and resentment in yours. And so it's, it's cool. Like I, I, you can have all the judgments you want, but if that's, if that's how you're judging me right now, I got more pity on you than you have shame on me. And it's just a way I've chosen to live my life. And it's given me a different perspective <clears throat> of how to handle everything I encounter. Right. Because life still throws me curveballs. Like yeah. It's a constant thing. And everybody has them. It's not like it's unique to just one person. You always have these new things. And that for me was a big piece. Like, you know what, Anthony, it's, it's something you got to work on. And I got okay with putting the work in. Here was the big thing. I always extrapolate 10, 15, 20 years past. In my marriage, when I'm, you know, 60, 70, who do I want to be in the house with? Mm. My wife, right? Who do I want to, oh, my, my family together, my kids and no dad. And if I wanted that, I didn't know how I was going to get to that end destination, but I realized the path wasn't going to be easy. And I was willing to go through whatever path it was, regardless yeah. of what the judgments were. So I just set this, this North Star and I worked towards it. And wow. everything was put through a filter of, will it get me closer to that North Star? If it does, do it. If it doesn't, don't. If it's hard, doesn't matter. It's got to be done. Yeah. You've decided. You've decided that you want it. Just go do it. Do you? So let me ask you. So in the people that you coach and, and speak to, I know you travel all over speaking. What Do you think that this mindset um, or this idea of perspective or that we have choices, is that one of the main things that you see hold people back? is an inability to sort of see, see, a, see possibilities or see potential or get kind of trapped in, in a victim space? 
Oh yeah. I mean, it's this, I mean, I operate off a lot of frameworks and processes. So I'm not a guessing kind of guy. When I work, like we get down, a lot of it's pulled from neuroscience and psychology. And essentially there's always that first, um, first area. I, I have three stages that I work through as a foundational process of who we are as our identity, what's called our ideal identity. But then we go through a process of how we shift it. And what you said, which I love was C, right? So the first stage of my process is three C shift sustain. The first mm-hmm. thing is I've got to see who I am, how I got here, and how to get out of here, right? A lot of us have a lot of hangups that we are completely mm-hmm. unaware of. The shift phase is the work phase. And most people skip the C phase, they go to work. And they just do this work. They're like, why is my life not being better? I'm doing oh, this I love that. right now. Right. And then I tell them, it's like, it, it, it's kind of like you're climbing this ladder. It's leaning against the building. You huff and puff and get to the top and realize, oh my gosh, the ladders lean against the wrong building. Yeah, oh I, so I've I've sometimes said to people, and oh, and I've said to myself sometimes, like I I'm working so hard doing all the wrong things, but I'm yeah. working, but I'm working really really so hard. hard. Yeah, it's it's a common thing, and so I go back to the stage of like, let's take a look at your life, like, yeah. and for me, like I did, I need you to see the things that you don't want to see. That mm. when you see them, it hurts you, like. For me, even the relationship, the marriage thing, there was a lot of pain to be able to take back the control, the mm-hmm. choice. You said decisions. I had a decision. And for me, like I had to realize, okay, crap, I don't want to feel this way. But the reality is, is I had a part to play in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And when I realized the part I played and what my hand was and what my cause was or what the you know, faults were, it, it comes with pain, but it comes with a sense of like, okay, I have a little bit of control because now knowing yeah. that if I do something differently, I can have a better result. Prior to that, my head was like, no matter what I do, it's always going to go bad because I have no right. control. And then when we feel helpless, we don't feel like we have any hope or joy or aspiration. So when I go back and see my fault, it comes with pain, but it also gives me hope. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I could do better this next time. And so we start with C, we do the shift work, which is how we talk about, that's another deeper aspect, but really it's like, how do I architect what's called my ideal identity and how do I mm-hmm. activate it in the world over and over and over and over in certain ways? And we learn from that process to eventually come out in the backside and go, you know what? It's who I am now. Yeah. Like when you started this show, you're probably like, all right, I'm going to try it. Hit record first. Oh one. my gosh. Yeah. You, you know? have no idea. It was, I mean, <laughs> it's been, it's been a total, um, which was another thing that really um, I caught on to your messaging because literally every step that I've taken into this world of podcasting, the show, everything, I literally have been uncomfortable. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing, even reaching out to you. I mean, I have told people, you know, when I was saying, oh yeah, we, you know, it's great. Um, I have, you know, these guests that are coming on and I was talking about you and your background. I said, I'm really excited for the conversation. And they said, oh, how'd you get, like, how did you get him to come on your show? And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I kind of love to tell the story because yeah. I got, I have a guest list and then I have like a dream guest list and the dream guest list are people that like, I would love to talk to, but I already had it in my head that they probably wouldn't have time or a desire mm-hmm. to talk to me. Cause I'm like, I don't bring anything to the table necessarily, um, yeah. in my head. Anyway, so I reached out to you. I finally decided, I'm like, I'm just going to reach out, right, to, to some of the people on this list. And if they respond, great. And if they don't, that's okay, too. And I'm just going to kind of like throw it out there and, and give the results to God. And so that's what I did. And you were the first person to respond. And I even qualified my message to you by saying, I'm not that big yet. 
Like I don't, I don't have all these things. I felt like I had to qualify it. Right. So you knew what you were getting into and your response was so amazing because what you said was, Oh, I'm not interested. Like, I don't care about size. I'm that doesn't matter to me at all. I'm interested in getting the message out and helping people. And I just remember it was like, such a beautiful thing. And for me, it was such a gift. Um, and so I, yeah, I don't know that, you know, that, but I don't know that, you know, how much it meant to me, but having people in your corner sort of going like, Oh no, you do have value. Like I'm not in, you don't need to be this like big person that's going, you know, this big famous person to be talking to me, you're a human being and you have value. And I'm trying to spread a message, um, a specific message. And that's, what's most important. Anyway, it was really touching, but I think that the, um, you know, the way that you're coaching people and helping them navigate through their lives is so important. And I love everything that you're saying. Um, and I love the part about like the really seeing yourself clearly. I think that is oftentimes it's definitely what has held me back as I sort of go through this journey. It's, it's the perception I have of myself, um, versus what I'm being called to do. So I think the work you're doing is, is really beautiful. And I, and I have to ask you, because I think this is a really important thing to talk about you. So you work with people from all different walks of life, like all different profiles. And that was one thing that, um, sort of surprised me. And I was like, that's so great. And I really want you to say it. So will you just talk about the different types of people that you work with um, Mm -hmm. and that come to you for coaching. Yeah, it's literally everybody. It's a weird way to look at it because because my work's rooted in identity, uh, it's a little bit of everybody. And one, I love your story. Thank you for sharing that because it's genuinely my heart. Like I just, I love doing this. And my wife's like, she sees me like right now, get up in the morning, what are you doing? I'm going to talk to some people, man, because I love people. Um, but you know, I, I work with moms from the Midwest, like literally like, you know, people who live in like Chicago and, and Wyoming, like just moms, you know, everyday people. Yeah. And then I work with, uh, executives that are, you know, companies like Amazon, the biggest company in the world. Um, I speak to organizations, multi-billion dollar organizations. I speak to and coach everyday people like myself, solopreneurs, yeah. entrepreneurs, dads, moms, business owners, it's, it's a little bit of everything in between. And, and the unique thing is in the shift stage, you, you kind of unpack part of what you do, but really I look at what is that, it's called identity gap, the gap between who am I right now that has what I have and the person that I want to be that has all the things I have. Because if you were already that person, you'd already have those things, right? It's how we are as humans. All of us have gaps if we have dreams. And what I get to do is go in and say, all right, who who is the person I need you to be? Beautiful. If we go and anchor back to the what you create, creates you concept. Now I'm looking at, all right, what do I need you to create? Mm-hmm. to create that person that you see yourself to be what are the stages i need to have you navigate and you go through and so it, it's action driven the work that i do but the difference between what i do with uh, with my coaching and other people is i don't have this like we're tuck away for eight weeks and do all this work and then you re-enter and re-emerge into the world yeah essentially you may cut some things off but i'm like all right what strategies does your business need you to actually apply so where when we're going through this transformational shift internally you're also creating a great business Mm-hmm. What stages do I need to work on for your, for your marriage? Like today I have clients that are marriage clients. Like mm-hmm. what things do I need you to work on as a human being for your marriage that also has you come back and say, I'm a great mom, I'm right. a great wife, right? 
And so the beauty is as long as you have an identity, which, hey, we all do, yeah. like I, I can work you through my systems and processes and help you have that shift. And, and right now, man, more than ever, it's that thing where people are shifting very reactively with shifting times. Yes. So like my work's picked up. My clients are a little crazier, which is okay because yeah. yeah. I do. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's actually is a lot of joy because you get to see that that kind of fear wall that picks up and gets in the yeah. way where you said, like, I don't feel like it's me. I get to show them how to tear it down or climb it. Mm-hmm. It's there. It's natural. It's normal. But when you learn how to like climb it or tear it down, like no big deal. So you'll run yeah. down the path knowing that whatever wall I do run into, like, ah, figure it out. And that's how life is. Like, I know I'm going to hit walls. It's not like I go through life. Like I'm never going to hit a wall again. It's like, no, yeah. I've gone through this, but I got this big tool bag from all these walls I've climbed and things I've learned. So man, I put another wall in front of me. Now it's a competition. Like, can I climb it? How fast, but I'm going to climb it. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think it's really interesting. So you mentioned that you, like some of your clients are, are moms, right? And so this is something that's interesting because a lot of my audience is female. Um, and I'm in my mid forties and we, um, you know, I definitely have gone through sort of a transformation or an awakening and I am really into, because I do, you know, coaching and human resources and I love relationships and I love self-development. So I naturally gravitate towards those things and I want to transform and always change and learn and grow. But I think, um, what I notice among my peers is that there is a general sense of, um, like, well, I've been like, my identity is as a mom, a stay home mom. I don't, um, I, I could never, like, I have a lot of people Mm. say to me, gosh, I wish I could do what you're doing. I just don't have the drive or I wish that I could have a podcast. And I literally look at them and I say, do you know, you can, like, do you know that I literally just recorded into my phone something Mm -hmm. to say, and I put it out into the world. And I just, um, didn't have expectations around it. I just kept doing what I felt I was being called to do. So I love that you're talking that you specifically called out that you work with that population, because I think that a lot of women, especially, um, sort of put themselves in a box and decide that they don't, they can't justify having a coach. They can't justify, um, they, they imagine that it's for these like really high powered executives or these really high powered entrepreneurs that are really driven. So thank you for saying that. I, I really yeah. love that, that, that your system is applicable across the board. It is. I mean, if people think logically, there's something that we have, a, an, I'm not going to go deep into it just yet, but there's a process that we all run every day in our head. It's our operating system. Kind of like a computer has an operating system. Yeah. So do we. And that operating system got that woman to the place she is now. Yeah. You didn't start there. You got there. So what, why in your head do you think that you can't adjust the operating system to get to the right. next place? Right. That's all it is. It's a small shift of it. I think the shift is different than change on purpose. Change is heavy. It has weight. Yeah. The shift is minute. It can be one shift of mm. one area of your core drivers that adjust your entire life. Mm. When you see it, and it's like, oh, I could do that. And it's like, yeah, you can do that. You're yeah. not going to die. Like, I love that. I put a podcast out. Yeah, I love that you can make a small shift. Yeah, right. Like I'm, I'm still here, you know, and I'm still doing it. Yeah. I don't know how long I'm going to do it, but it's I'm here. Um, yeah. so we have, so we have a, a couple minutes left, and I'm wondering, um, given the time that we're in with COVID and all of the change and all of the anxiety and fear. Um, Do you have one piece of advice that you could give to entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. um, like me 
who suddenly now are in a space where they may be having thoughts of, um, like I find myself going saying a lot of like, okay, well, this is like my goal this year was to get sponsors for this show. Well, now is a terrible time to get sponsors. These are the things going through my head, right? Like, Mm -hmm. well, now I'm making up these, um, I don't know if they're stories or not, but do you have any advice for entrepreneurs in this time right now that might be, have been, you know, might be talking themselves out of making some shifts that they were feeling really called to make? Yeah, always this thought that scared money doesn't make money. And it's tied to the same thing, right? If, if I'm scared right now, I get tight, I get siloed, I get sucked away, and I want to just protect, protect, protect. But those who are smart, they, they go out and they invest and they do more things. Because what happens is there's never been a time in history that, that everybody knows that everybody's thinking. Like, I know what's going on in people's heads and where they're at, like, because I'm experiencing it yeah. all at the same time. Yeah. Therefore, of any time in the world, now is a time to do something out of your norm. Mm-hmm. Because people, they're, they're, they're experiencing out of the normal. So anything that comes across that they can't judge and be like, oh, that's not normal because there is no normal right now. Yeah. So make the asks, do, do the push, create that thing and put it out. And at the end of the day, no one's going to judge you crazy. Yeah. Like if you'd done it two months ago, it would have been a different level of possible judgment. Right. But right now, everybody's at home. So <laughs> call yeah. them and ask them things and request stuff and do the stuff you typically wouldn't do. Like start activating your, like your secret self that, that alter ego put into the world because right now is it's never been a better time to just try something yeah. because when you do someone will know why you're doing it right and the sponsorship like people have businesses they need seen right so why wouldn't you like that's the time we're like all right i need everyone's at home figuring out how do i reach people who aren't leaving their house anymore right. billboards don't work and these things so i need to find ways to get my message in front of people still though yeah so go and ask for sponsors like it's the people are doing online summits learning new systems and tools man, now is a better time than ever for people to be to be out there doing more because the world doesn't have any expectations yeah. of anybody for anything. Oh, I love it. And I love scared money doesn't make money. I'm, I'm going to write yeah. that down. That's a good, that's a good one. Okay. Yeah. So in our last, we've literally got one minute. Will you in one minute tell people how they can get in touch with you and work with you? Yeah. Easy. If you want to, uh, to go to my website, it's anthonytrucks.com or Instagram is at anthonytrucks. If you really want us to get in contact directly, you can send a message to my team, which will always get to me, contact at anthonytrucks.com. And that's it. I answer all my messages. I answer all my stuff. So if you have access or questions, yeah. feel free to ask them. Do it. I love it. It was such a fantastic show. We are out of time. I'm so honored that you came and spoke with me. And I feel like I got coaching for myself. Everyone, I hope you have a fantastic Monday, a great week. And I will see you next week. Um, to have another great conversation. And until then, have courage, be kind, and give yourself and others grace.